Welcome to Bleacher Blum, a sports podcast for baseball fans. Now, the current master of banter for the Houston Astros television broadcast team, Blummer. The bleachers are open. It is Jeff Blum, your co-host of Bleacher Blums. We are glad to have everybody in. Uh, obviously, my co-host, David Tuttle, is on the other side out there in California, and it has been a rather eventful week because Thanksgiving happened. Uh, my family and I got out of the country for a little bit and came back to celebrate Thanksgiving. David Tuttle, I believe, went up to Santa Cruz, his old stomping grounds as a kid. And we just want to tell everybody out there that we appreciate you hanging with us and staying with us, even though we had a little bit of a hiatus while we went and took care of some travel plans, got to enjoy family. The two podcasts previous exploded, and we appreciate everybody who downloaded, listened, shared it, and subscribed to it, also rated and reviewed it. We had a blast, and we were covering that tough topic of sign stealing, and it's kind of interesting that we get away on the on the Thanksgiving break, and we not necessarily lose sight of the sign stealing, because I'm going to touch on it a little bit in this podcast, along with some other Astro news that literally came down maybe about an hour ago, that a lot of Astro fans will be interested in hearing about. But uh, the sign stealing has kind of gone by the wayside, and we got a chance to actually enjoy the Thanksgiving break. I myself took the family on a little mini vacation down into the Caribbean, and we had a blast. Uh, We got to hang out on a boat, a big old yacht, which I've never done in my life. So the people down in the Dominican really hooked us up. Now you know where I went. Uh, really hooked us up and we had a great time uh, splashing around in the ocean, the Caribbean Sea down there. That was a lot of fun. So the girls had a great time and literally we left and came back and met our family here for Thanksgiving. We'll dig into that a little bit, but I want to bring in my good buddy, my co-host, co-creator of Bleacher Blums, the man, the myth, the legend, the busy man too. He's been getting around out there in Southern California making things happen. But David Tuttle, man, how are you doing? It's been a while. It's great to see your sweet face. Same with you, Blummer. Uh, it's been great. I had a, an enjoyable Thanksgiving vacation, as you mentioned. Uh, we did take the uh, fam damly up the uh, the, <laughs> the left coast here, uh, the seven hour trek up to uh, Santa Cruz, California. We usually stop in Pismo. We took the dog for the first time. That was. Alfred. Super exciting. Alfred made it. He uh, He's a good car sleeper, so and he's small enough to make the, the journey with us. So, uh, yeah, had a really good uh, really good holiday break, and uh, I think we touched on this prior, but uh, spending time with family maybe during the time we have some extended family and some uh, in-laws involved, and it is not always maybe in the moment the greatest thing, but uh, certainly for the kids and historically always has a has some a soft spot in our heart. So uh, yeah, we had a really good time and uh, and we're back at it. And I, I I agree. I hopefully the people didn't miss us too much. They were hopefully having some time with their family. But I guess I could have used a couple extra Bleacher Blums podcasts while I was driving up and down the coast. So uh, so I missed us. Uh, you really could have like taken control like the time when you're driving. This is something my dad used to do on road trips because. You know, growing up in California, we would do the same thing that David Tuttle did with his families. We'd go up the coast. You know, it, it, California is such a great resource 
for travel and the ability to drive, like Tuttle is saying, six or seven hours and go from L.A. to San Francisco or to the Bay Area and enjoy a place like Santa Cruz. There are some great stops in between there. Hearst Castle was a place I remember as a kid. We'd stop and just wonder who in the hell and why in the hell they built that place to live in. Uh, but Pismo Beach was always a great stop. I remember some of the holiday inns that we would stay out there that were right on the beach, and we had a blast. But you could take – my dad would always take control of the radio. I don't necessarily do this with the kids in my car because I'm overwhelmed by estrogen and I don't, you know, I'm so outnumbered. I have got no shot. So, and the way Bluetooth works these days, like if I was young enough and had the smartphone, I would hack onto the, uh, the, the car radio and put my own jams on there too. But, uh, it was a complete, um, was not a democracy. It was a dictatorship in the car when we drove with my dad. And I, to this day, know every single word to every single Rolling Stones song ever made because that was the only thing that was going on. We would go from album to album to album to song. And I think in my, you know, my 14, 15 years of driving on family vacations, I think the only other, other only other singer I heard was Neil Diamond. My mom got like an hour of Neil Diamond, uh, you know, one road trip out of all those 14, 15 years. But you could have dominated your car and just said, we're listening to me on my podcast and just had everybody get well-educated in your car. You didn't think about doing that? Oh, I, it crosses my mind all the time. And and shout out to your dad with the uh, the Rolling Stones. I, at least it was good music because now we can True. appreciate it. I still listen to like Rolling Stones, Hot Rocks, like the double greatest hits album. But they that it, at least you got what your dad probably wanted out of it was indoctrination, you know, and, uh, oh, it worked. And, yeah, but it, it was good music. So at least he didn't put like bread on the whole time and made you listen <laughs> to like sappy music. But, uh, I thought about it, you know, our car is, I don't know if it's a dictatorship or not, but, uh, my wife and I will often listen to a podcast up front, but the kids will throw on their earbuds and, uh, oh, yeah. lock their device down. And I mean, I will say, compared to three to five years ago we don't do a ton of long car trips we're not doing like days in the car um but you know six or seven hours in the car it's pretty dang quiet we got kids that don't need to pee which is great they don't really talk to each other i mean it, it should be a little more i make all fun of these people that sit down to dinner and they all pull out their phones and it's quiet but in our car my wife and i can carry on a great conversation or listen to music that we want to listen to um and sometimes even listen to a podcast that maybe on the mature side and uh and the kids you know barely bat an eye i'll i'll drive by hearst castle as you mentioned and they have the zebras on the side of the road still the zebras are there no way that freaks you out because you're driving by you see cows and horses and anybody that hasn't been out to california hearst castle uh william randolph hearst had brought in animals from all over the the continents around the world and uh most of them are gone, but the zebras have still stayed and driving down and you're like, it freaks me out every time if I forget like zebras, hey, there's zebras. And there's always people out taking. So I can barely get the kids to look up and see a wild <laughs> zebra running on the road. They're playing their device. So bad parenting, I guess. No, it's not a smart parenting, man. You, you want peace and quiet because all I remember from road trips as a kid is me trying to beat the piss out of my brother and getting yelled at and then getting the piss beat out of me. So, you know, you found ways to occupy your time and now you've got the smartphones and all the, the distractions to keep them quiet and you get to actually have your time with your wife and listen to what you want to. So that's pretty cool. That's but, true. You've uh, never drawn a line on the car seat in the back <laughs> sitting next to your brother, have you? Like our cars weren't as big as our car is now. Like every the kids are in the way back. There's an echo. But my brother and I would do what you and your brother did. We'd sit there. He's on my side. No, he's not. He's on your side. It was like, uh, 
Oh yeah, that that line was drawn early and often. Yeah, and uh, a lot of fun, good times. It's, it's amazing how things have changed. But uh, still, good on you for getting the family out there and driving up the coast. Because if they do pick their head up, it is a pretty gorgeous drive. And I would say, actually, having driven across the country several times myself, and I'm sure you have too, Tuttle, going to minor league. Uh, stadiums and going to spring trainings, you see a great deal of the country, and it's actually a pretty gorgeous place that we live in. But Thanksgiving was a lot of fun for me because I got to use my green egg, my great big green egg. I smoked a turkey. It was delicious. Everybody enjoyed it. But man, I had to put my clothes that I wore during the smoking process into a trash bag and cinch it up because I was smoked after smoking the turkey. <laughs> I think that's a SOP, as they say, standard operating procedure. <laughs> but it is funny to if you have like a T-shirt and jeans on and that smells like smoke. Yeah. But when you have that over shirt or a jacket that you may not wear all the time, you hang it in the closet Ooh. until you think about it. And you're like, you go in there and you're like, oh, my God, the closet smells like smoked turkey. What happened? I mean, obviously, you got to throw that in the laundry. But, yeah, there's definitely a. Uh, I don't know. If you can smoke a turkey and come out not smelling like smoked turkey, then you've done uh, uh, a yeoman's work. Yeah, that was the least of my worries. I was just worried about getting the food right so we can actually have a, a Thanksgiving dinner. And it was it was a really good success. And we had a lot of fun. Corey's uh, parents were in town. My wife's name is Corey. And her, so my in-laws were in town. We had a blast. It was great to hang out with them. And we actually finalized some plans to go out to California for Christmas, which we're all looking forward to. Uh, we're fighting off sicknesses. I know that the flu is floating around out here in Houston. Uh, you know, kids getting back in school is bringing all the funk back to school. And uh, one of our, one of my daughters actually has a little bit of the flu. The one that's actually going to be driving in seven days, by the way. That's a Ooh. that might be a podcast uh, topic for us to talk about next time. Is having a first time driver in the house. That's going to be exciting. I've actually had the opportunity to float around the city a little bit. I got to host Astro Line last night. A lot of fans showed up for that. Hosted with uh, Julia Morales. We had a blast talking to Craig Biggio, Billy Wagner about his upcoming Hall of Fame ballot. Uh, it's a lot of fun catching up with those guys. It's also a lot of fun to talk about anything other than the sign stealing and some of the derogatory issues around the Astros. And I also had a chance to speak to MD Anderson down in the uh, medical center here in Houston, which was a blast. I loved doing that. And it was a development uh, meeting seminar for them. So I got a chance to go down there and pump them up, tell some good stories and explain kind of how I got through some adversity in my life to get to where I'm at. And I think most ballplayers would, would attest to the fact that baseball is one of the greatest metaphors for life, considering how much failure is involved in picking yourself up and continuing to move on, the adapting to situations, teams, roles on a team. So that was a lot of fun. But uh, if you want to get a chance to maybe have myself, I'm not sure if you could actually find Tuttle out there in California, but there are opportunities to to reach out to us on our a website called bleacherblums.com. We've got, uh, you can get an idea of who Tuttle is on there. You can read a little more about myself. You can get archives on our podcast. You can actually get the current podcast. And we've got some big news because I'm actually doing this via Skype with Tuttle and I'm wearing a pretty badass trucker hat that has our Bleacher Blums logo on it. And this was a mock-up. This is a little bit of a trial. And I got to tell you, Tuttle's been looking at me, kind of fish-eyeing me, looking at my hat. And it looks pretty good. 
And we're hoping to get these up on the website pretty quick so we can get those out there before Christmas. And we have a whole shop. There's going to be some uh, Santa Claus-looking T-shirts on there we're hoping to get up there that should be kind of highly entertaining for the month of December. And I've actually got a couple of scorecards up there from big games that I feel I just kind of want to give it a test run and fire it out there on our shop. So if you go to bleacherblums.com, go to the shop, you can check out some of the swag, but you can also put a bid on the scorecards. I want to give it to whoever wants it the most. I didn't just want to sell it and have, you know, first come first serve type situation. I wanted to see if there was going to be any excitement around it. And if this trial run goes good, we'll put some more scorecards out there for everybody to enjoy. But there's also a mailbag. And I didn't even talk to Tuttle before this. I'm not sure if we have any mailbag questions this go round. I'm going to ask him real quick, but you can click on the mailbag and get at us and let us know your thoughts, opinions, keep it clean, keep it calm, keep it nice. And you never know. We may read it on uh, our podcast, but Tuttle, is the mailbag working? The mailbag's working. We got uh, at least three questions and that's pretty good for having a two week hiatus. I, I wanted to get at you. Um, I'm going to forward you an article and anybody that's listening can look scientific American. I just found this article about two weeks ago and I was going to forward it to you anyway, but it basically says failure found to be an essential prerequisite for success. And I, I thought, it. you know, whatever you said at MD Anderson, I, I'm not, you know, privy to when you're, what your schedule is. We usually just try and hook up a podcast, but Astroline, I would have enjoyed listening to that, but I'm sure uh, that I would have loved to attend the uh, the speech uh, over at MD Anderson Cancer Center, and um, you know anything you can say, typically in a, in a um, kind of stick with it and grind it out, and you know keep your head up attitude. Uh, like I said, is uh, is well warranted in scenarios like that. But it's uh, it sounds like it was a great opportunity. I'm a little bit jealous that you uh, that you got to go, and I hope you uh, touch some lives and some hearts. Here is um, here's the mailbag. Um, it's just three questions today. I haven't pre-screened them, Blummer. So let's uh, let's get right at it. I like it. Um, oh, I guess this is on our topic du jour. So this is from. It looks like somebody named Ernest. So all right, Ernest, you're on. Will back ML from, Hold on, did Ernest get back from camp? Yeah, Ernest goes <laughs> to camp. I guess he must have. Or or they got Wi-Fi at camp. So. Boom. <laughs> This is on uh, bringing us right back into our lovely topic. We got this a while ago. We got this for Thanksgiving. It says, will MLB make an example out of the Astros if they have enough accurate information? What are your opinions? I believe we've kind of answered that. But if you want to reiterate for someone that might not have listened. so Yeah, they're going to make an example out of the Astros. And it was actually something I was going to talk about a little bit later. So maybe I can kind of check this off my list of going through some of the baseball news that I was going to touch on. And, you know, I kind of hinted in the open that the sign stealing has kind of died down a little bit. I'm a little curious why that is, uh, if they're doing a little more investigating. But if you're an Astro fan or if you're a fan of Major League Baseball, yes. Go ahead and just be mentally prepared for – Major League Baseball to step on the Astros a little bit and make an example of them because they are they feel that the Astros did the most uh, broke the broke the rule the most egregiously, even though in 2017 it took the Yankees and the Red Sox breaking it, uh, breaking the uh, sign stealing rule via electronics. They were the first ones to do it. So they got a slap on the wrist. And then they set the uh, rules in place. We're saying moving forward, anybody who breaks this rule is going to get penalized. Yes. The Astros are going to get penalized. The only question is to what extent and how far into the organization they reach. Because the obvious is 
Will they go after A.J. Hinch? Will they go after Jeff Luno, who's the general manager of the Houston Astros? That's where the question is. Do they just stop with the, the two namesakes, the guy who, guys who have the most name equity as far as the Astros organization is concerned? Or will they get past Jeff Luno and dig into some of the other guys inside the baseball ops area? I have no idea, but it, they will. I would expect a possible suspension. I would definitely expect fines. I would definitely expect draft picks to be taken away. And uh, who knows what else they're able to do, but expect the consequences. And yes, I hope that uh, they do it before the winter meetings. I'll touch on that a little bit later, but we'll move through the mailbag right now. And I don't know what you got on that, Tuttle, but I'm sure that you feel the same way. Being a little bit on the outside and knowing how some of these some of these organizations and some of, that, some of these uh you know, the franchise, how the how these leagues work, they do want to make an example and discourage others from doing it. Do you see that coming down? Yeah, I think we touched on it last podcast, so I hate uh, to be repetitive, but I'll reiterate what we kind of touched on. I mean, we still don't really know a whole lot about Deflategate or Spygate. Um, Tom Brady's known as the greatest quarterback of all time. He probably wanted the footballs inflated a certain way, but who knows how much espionage there was with the room and the deflation and all that stuff. Same thing with Bill Belichick, greatest coach of all time in NFL history. He had the Spygate thing, like whether he got a video of a practice or a film. I mean, they will try and make an example of him. If they make an example of them, and then, as you said, dig further, we know the Red Sox had their thing, the Yankees have been in. I mean, we said this. They're, everybody's trying to push the envelope. I think I brought up the steroid analogy last time. So, yes, they will definitely make an example of them if they can. Um, if there's, as you said, the photos or the proof that there's something uh, kind of untoward was going on. But they'll make an example of them, but they won't. I mean, it won't most likely affect the baseball season. It'll be, like you said, a big fine, maybe a loss of a draft pick. And as we know, in Major League uh, Baseball with the minor league system, some of these guys make it and some of them don't. Uh, us being <laughs> case in point, right? So there's a lot of things that can happen, but most likely it'll be something that they'll they'll hand down a punishment and then they'll move on into the season and, as you said, try and discourage. So, I got an actual question, though. I, you know, I said suspensions. I do believe somebody somehow, some way is going to get suspended. I'm not sure how they go and do that. And if you're looking at some of the names, and I want to ask you this, Tuttle, do you, Jeff Luno is a general manager. If he gets suspended, okay, you lock him out of his office and you keep him out of the building for however long you want to do that. But I don't see a scenario where you can reach into the dugout and suspend a manager for that. I mean, it would have to be a pretty egregious thing to go in there and and suspend a manager for, I mean, even for three days. Could you imagine a team having to function right out of the shoot without their manager for an opening homestander the first two weeks? I feel if they went down and got A.J. Hinch, that would be probably the most extreme thing I've ever heard of. Agreed. And I, I will say this. I mean, I hate to deal in facts, but I mean, if the facts show that A.J. was like the, uh, the you know, the orchestrator of all of this, then that's a whole different. I mean, he might. You know, he might get suspended like 30 games or something like that. I don't think that's that the would case. be insane to me. That, yeah, it would be. But if he was the one True. driving yep. the bus, if you are I'm guilty, is, 
the likelihood of a manager driving a bus to t- tell a guy fastball, breaking ball. I mean, I don't think AJ, I think he's as far removed from this as possible. My point, point is, if he's driving the bus, I think then that would be pre- unprecedented. And, you know, if they if they suspended him for two or three games, he could always do the Bobby Valentine, you know, where he could just put on the mustache <laughs> yep. and the little Groucho Marx glasses and sit in there. Who's that guy down there? Oh, don't worry about him. He's our new, uh, like, uh, he's the new science statistical dealer. analysis, like, health uh, guy, whatever, so. There you go. So we'll just work on a costume for AJ if he gets suspended for a few games. But I would agree. I think that unless they can prove that he had some integral part in this, it's going to be very difficult to have a dugout player removed. Yeah, no. And that's why I love having you on this podcast, because those are the things that kind of pop in my mind a little bit. And I'm not sure if I have the answer, but a great point by you that in order for that to happen, something very serious has to be pointing right directly at him to make that happen. It's a great point. I appreciate that. All right, let's move on to the next one. This is a long one, and I was thinking, hey, we only had three questions, but like I said, I didn't preview many of these. So um, let's just see how many questions are on here. There's a few. uh, Anyway, here we go. I don't know if we should go with this, but I'm going to read it anyway. So here we go. Sean, sign-stealing suggestions. He says, I suppose this is more of an observation, but based on an idea. I was thinking to myself that cameras should be added to the dugout. But you said it yourself. They're already there. Do these cameras not have audio capturing devices? There's a parabolic mic right behind home plate. During A's home games, you can hear those drums. So why don't I ever hear a trash can lids or any kind of nonsense like that during a broadcast? Now these morons are talking about Band-Aids or some BS. SM-16 involved. Did someone get the Russians in Ukraine or Ukrainians involved? The whole thing keeps getting more and more ludicrous. And I believe it less and less every time I hear something. It sounds like an Astros fan, by the way. Thank you, Sean, for for letting. So let's get to the point. For these people to go from one extreme and say it's clearly audible technology, I'm sorry, that it's banging on trash can lids to silent technology, there's a big difference between using clearly audible technology and silent technology. The extreme shift in these two signaling devices makes me believe that the whole thing um, is based on a lie. The whole thing keeps getting more and more crazy, and I believe it less and less every time I hear it. Okay, he said that. Let's see. For these people to go to one extreme, to the extreme shift in these two signaling devices makes me believe that the whole thing is crazy. All right. So there wasn't much of a question in there, but uh, he obviously has a thought about they said, okay, it was banging on the trash can, and then they said it was, oh, it was a silent signal. So he's kind of, he's right in that what he's hearing. Um, any thoughts, Blummer? I'm sure you have a few. Well, I, first of all, I love the fact that they know what a parabolic mic is because those are the field mics that pick up the crack of the bat, the stupid drums in Oakland, uh, every other field noise. So I agree. And, you know, some people have found some of the banging on the uh, trash can. But I want to make uh, this is where I draw the line. Do not try and implicate the broadcast team or anybody into this uh, scenario. We w- We had nothing to do with it. We didn't turn off our mics. Every mic has been on. That is, that all of this is news to us. So the broadcast team is in the clear. I just want to make sure that we get that out there in the open. But, uh, yeah, there's a lot going on. I think it gets a little wild. You know, the, 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 this day and age of conspiracy theories is a little out of control for me. The Band-Aid sounds pretty extreme. I mean, you're, you're kind of desperate or you have a serious issue if you're getting a band-aid that can zap you when a change-up's coming uh, that that i don't know if you penalize that or applaud it because you got that scientific on it and made it happen um if that is 
actually something that is a functioning system, I want to try it out. I think that would be awesome to try out. Or maybe, you know, you give everybody a shock collar and you shock the collar and zap them and say, here comes the off speed, ah! you know, and then we go get them. But, uh, you know, it is pretty extreme. And I agree in the sense that maybe things have spiraled out of control. And maybe that's another reason why I kind of shut down over Thanksgiving breaks. Cause everybody was like, whoa, pull back on the reins, let's relax a little bit and really get some true information out of this thing. Yeah. You know, it's funny. We could take that technology. Anybody that's listening to this podcast understands and then use that as the pitcher and the catcher signs member. So we were oh, saying yeah. like we wanted some sort of touch system or that it's going to be like a earpiece. We can use the Band-Aid technology that they've developed to seal the signs to actually relay the signs from the dugout to the pitcher and the catcher. Now we're on to something, correct? Ladies and gentlemen, crisis <laughs> averted and solved by David Tuttle. We're just going to band-aid everybody up and zap them to tell them what we're what we're going to bring. That's right. And no there's no way to steal the signs. You only you know it was zapped <laughs> to you. Now if somebody's able to create some sort of interference and steal the sign the technology, Ooh. right? The bluetooth or something. I'm going to log into your bluetooth. Anyway, so actually we're making Sean's point, are we not? It, it, this is crazy. It's crazy to say, okay, it was this. Oh, no, 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 it was this. Oh, no. Well, we got it wrong here and these guys and I think you pointed out last time subtly or not so subtly let's look at some of the guys that are making the claims and what rosters they're on and you know how that roster shapes up and anyway so i kind of thought we were away from the subject i guess until there's some sort of fine or resolution handed down this topic will keep popping up but uh i kind of agree with sean in that sense that it sounds a little i'm not a conspiracy theorist it sounds a little more uh or a little less likely so i don't know that comes out right all right last one dave we deal with dave on twitter he's a great guy um he sent in kind of a long thing as well but he says he's going to try and avoid the a word so i i think that's our typical a word so dave says hey hey guys hope you all had a great thanksgiving and this note finds you freshly recovered from a trip to fan coma i've got a general baseball question and i'll avoid the a word in the process there's been some background chatter for at least a year about teams using machine learning uh, where's my spot? The thing being reported now is algorithms to review video of opposing teams. Until a few weeks ago, this was always in reference to video of past games. It can be used to pick up a variety of things, but would be especially helpful in picking up signs from the dugout or third base coach and pitchers tipping, among other things. I believe this is exceedingly common as based on announced job openings I've seen over the last several years, at least half of the analytics departments in MLB have the capability and the other half is actively developing it. As former players, how does this square with the unwritten rules of stealing signs on the field? If this is different than what you let's see, if this is this different, sorry, to you than a hitter reviewing game video of a pitcher and if so, in what way? Keep up the great work. And I hope to see you at St. Arnold's sometime in the near future. Wow. Great, great email. It was a good email. And I will be at St. Arnold's quite frequently over the off season. But to, you know, signs, steal signs, do whatever you need to do. And, you know, it, what's interesting is that David Tuttle and I, we played during an era where we were getting videotaped. We didn't have computers breaking down every single at bat. There was no program that broke down every pitch that Tuttle threw to a certain hitter. There was nothing that told me what a certain pitcher did to me or overall how pitchers were pitching me in the major leagues. It was on me. You know, some guys would keep a notebook, but I knew which guys had tendencies against me. And I knew 
sometimes well enough, if I faced them often enough, maybe which count I was going to get a certain pitch in. But I guarantee you, to to the point, to David's point, that you know there there are smart enough people that they can create a software program that will watch every single pitch thrown to one particular batter, and it will break down what the sequencing is. And and when the the tendencies of a pitcher, and then it'll break down the pit, you know, the tendencies of a hitter. What pitches are a hitter hitting, and where, what location are they getting the most hits out of? So, you know, technology is so far advanced, and the video is so far advanced that they're able to pick those pitches apart. They're able to pick those swings apart. So it's it's an advanced analytic, and it is legal to do it on pass games. I don't know if they have the technology to do it fast enough in game, but no, that that's fine with me. And we would get that information later on in my career, what, you know, what tendencies, what counts, you know, what percentage of pitch was being thrown in a 2-1 count. You know, I knew for me it was about 85% it was going to be some kind of off-speed pitch. But uh, those are things as a player that you learn, and sometimes you can go to the numbers, which is kind of nice to really reinforce the fact that you're right. You know, it's funny. I, 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 I'm I trying to teach my kids blackjack over Thanksgiving holiday. and Dude, we did the know. same thing. Oh, nice. Well, hey. <laughs> There you go. Great minds think alike. But my daughter got really good at it. She's like, so if I put in this $25 chip, I just keep winning a $25 chip. I said, yeah, but if you put in four of those, then you win four of those if you win. Oh, I like that. You know, using fake money. She really liked that. She's like, look at how tall my stack is getting. Well, and I said, but you're this, you're, you're teaching them to not bet on it. Yes, that's right. Well Don't done. bet on it, baby. Um, that's funny. Good thought. The... Uh, you, you you interrupted my flow, man. I was going to go here. No. So to your point, though, I, I didn't have those analytics, obviously, in the minor leagues. And if you continue to play, you you obviously I, I remember hitters from 20 years ago, like what I what I threw when I faced them and how I was trying to get them out and what my strengths were and all those kind of things. But I think what I always say about poker and or blackjack is you want to get your money on the table with the best odds. Right. So. If you knew some guy in a 2-1 count was going to throw you an off-speed pitch, whether it be a change-up most likely or a curveball, you could sit change-up and curveball up there, and you would take that 85% chance. If he threw you a fastball right down the middle, which you've seen, it freezes you up, but you're not swinging at that because you're looking for that off-speed, and you have to be with an 85% chance. So now to Dave's point, I think, like you said, the analytics and all that stuff, if they're starting to get in-game stuff, well, guess what? Goose Gossage used to close a game and he'd throw the seventh, eighth, and ninth inning. Or you'd have Nolan Ryan go, you know, you know, Jack Morris, 10 innings. We're just going to go 10 innings. Nowadays, by the time that AI starts working and you're after your second at bat, you're in the third inning, guess what happens in the sixth inning? You're not facing the guy in the game. You're not facing that starter. I mean, there's a few starters, but they're going to try and, you know, mix that up as well. So I think just like the analytics and just like the technology is changing, so is the style of game. So are the players. I mean, Garrett Cole, Verlander, you guys, those those are aberrations. Those guys go on seven, eight, nine innings every time. That's, you know, most most starters are going to go five, six, maybe into the seventh, depending on matchups. And then those guys are out of there. So if you need AI, I mean, by the time it's your second at bat and you're looking at the iPad, that guy's going to be out of the game and you got to work on the next guy. So I think, I mean, I'm sure, as you said, there's constant change, constant analytics, but it, you can only have so much information when you step up there and you try and hit a 95 on our fastball. I hope you agree with that. 
No, that's probably the greater point. A lot of the great hitters I've talked to is that they have always said the dumber they are, the more reactionary they are. So you do take a lot of that into account. But once you get in the box, you got to be able to react because it's not 100% perfect what you're get, what pitch you're going to get. So hitting is a lot of fun. The mailbag is a lot of fun. They did a great job. We appreciate everybody who goes to bleacherblums.com, gets on that mailbag, asks us the questions because we've been doing a good job of getting all of our readers and all of our uh, subscribers on here who ask us questions. We enjoy doing that. And of course, right now, we have actually got a sponsor and we're going to go to a we're going to listen to Dave Tuttle tell us a little bit more about being manscaped. Folks, we did want to remind you that support for the Bleacher Blums podcast comes from Manscaped. Manscaped is the number one in men's below-the-belt grooming, and Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Um, I want to I want to tell a quick story, and I don't know if this is a true story or not. It's kind of a little bit of a, a folk tale, but I do know for a fact that there have been some guys going on the uh, injured list in the big leagues. And some of those injuries may have been manscaping injuries, and they have had to come up with stories. I mean, can you believe this? A pitcher is supposed to start. He's going to remain nameless, Diamondbacks pitcher. And he goes on the DL for slamming his finger in the cab door. He slammed his finger in the cab door, and he went on the DL for a week. No, no, no. Manscaping injury, folks. Please remember, we have Manscaped redesign their electric trimmer the Lawnmower 2.0 has proprietary skin-safe technology so the trimmer won't nick or snag your family jewels. Could you imagine going on the injured list because you snagged your family jewels? That is not cool. You would probably want to just say, you know what I did? I slammed my finger in the cab door. But uh, everybody in the clubhouse knows why you went on the injured list, and you are going to be fined in kangaroo court. So please remember... Get 20% off of your Manscaped products and free shipping with the code BleacherBlums. Oh, no, sorry. It's just Blums, B-L-U-M-S, at Manscaped.com. 20% off with free shipping at Manscaped.com. Use the code Blums, B-L-U-M-S. Do not go on the injured list because you did not follow our instructions. <laughs> that has to be the read of the year. <laughs> Yay, I'm going to be famous. <laughs> Nicely done, Tuttle. Way to incorporate it into the game of baseball and way to incorporate uh, some imagination into some of those reads. Good stuff. We appreciate Manscaped. Get on it for the holidays and get yourself hooked up in in the manscaping region. But we're going to go to baseball real quick. I want to hit on the signs real quick. We got a question, obviously, in the mailbag asking about consequences. But I want to talk a little bit with David Tuttle about the winter meetings that are coming up. And this is where every team goes to a particular destination. And there's probably going to be a lot of people at this destination because it's in San Diego this season for the winter meetings. But for me personally, I want the consequences. I want to dish them out. Bring it. Whatever you got. Put people under you know, suspension. Whatever you need to do. Get it out of the way. And the reason I'm saying this is because, yes, I'm an Astro employee. We have to get that out of the way. But I want this done and over with because I am a fan of baseball. I want the stain to go away. I want people to recognize that Manfred is had made rules. Rules were broken. We've given out consequences. Let's move on. Because this free agent market is pretty darn incredible, and I want to see what these guys are doing. I want to hear a lot of the competitive banter. I don't want to hear about, oh, this should happen, that should happen, this should happen. You know, I want to talk baseball. I don't want to talk about, you know, covert ops trying to get signs. 
But another thing I want to ask you, Tuttle, is if if things winter meetings is usually where some big contracts come out. There's some big conversations between free agents and then GMs. There's big conversations between general manager to general manager, maybe trying to work out a big trade. Do you feel that if the consequences aren't out there yet, if you don't know exactly what you're working with as a Houston Astro front office employee, how do you go into the winter meetings and try and convince a free agent to come to the Houston Astros? How do you go out there and convince a guy to make a trade when you don't even know what's going on within your organization? Do you feel the same way that some of that uncertainty going into the winter meetings could affect how the Astros handle their offseason and some of the free agency they've got to deal with? Oh, that's a that's a big question. I, I'm not. I think probably the front office handles things a little bit differently until there's resolution. Uh, the players probably don't. I thought you were going to ask me more about the players, like what they consider going to Houston or not. Um, well, it's I kind of we, it's kind of the same question. You know, you can take the free agent angle because you yeah. if you're meeting with Jeff Luno or somebody within the organization and you're looking at him, you're kind of going. Well, yeah. I want to play there. I like your team and you're going to win, but, you know, are you suspended? Am I going to get hosed? Am I going to get grouped into this? You know, so you can take that angle. Yeah, no, no, I understand. I'm, I'm just I'm just kind of spitballing it here. I, I think it definitely will be a consideration from the front office people. But I don't think I mean, if Lunau is still kind of in charge of making the deals and, you know, somewhere behind the scenes, the assistant GM, those guys are making the deals. I guess Taubman's not going to be making the deals either. It's going to be a little thin up there. But I mean, <laughs> if it's a place you want to come and win and the agent has somebody to talk to and they're going to approve the contract, I think, you know, you tell me, I mean, how often was the GM? I know you love Kevin Towers and there's guys that you develop a relationship with throughout the years. But if he's if Jeff Lunau suspended 50 games, how does that affect how I go out and start every fifth day or, you know, go out and how many home runs I hit? I don't think that'll have a huge effect when it comes down to that. Now, similar to the NFL, when guys get suspended, they are allowed to play the whole preseason. And then when that game one starts, they're out of the facility for four or five days. I mean, so once, you know, if they suspend Lunau now for 100 days or something like that, that'll really affect their business. I mean, it could certainly affect the business. But I think to circle back to what we've been talking about, the type of suspensions and maybe the uh, the prior uh, things that we've seen handed down have have a lot more to do with like money. Let's write a check and or. Let's uh, let's take some draft picks off the table, and both of those things will not have a strong effect on the dealings, the free agent dealings. I mean, a two million dollar fine might be the number one fine, but if you're going to sign a pitcher for 120 million dollars, or if you're going to sign Garrett Cole for 220 million dollars, then I have a feeling that two million dollars is going to, you know, it's going to be fine, paid for, and resolved. But I think to your overall point. For the winter meetings, it would be nice, not just as an Astros fan or employee, but just from a business perspective and to get everything kind of off on the right foot down here in San Diego. That's got to be resolved before they, you know, everybody goes into into the winter meetings. No, I totally agree. And great point on the free agent, because we know why free agents sign contracts to get paid. And that's ultimately all it comes down to. The Astros money is still as green as anybody's and those cash, those checks are going to be cash no matter what. But uh, there's some big news moving forward with the Houston Astros. Earlier in the month, we heard about uh, the signing of Dustin Garneau 
journeyman catcher, just kind of a backup insurance plan. I'm not sure how much of an impact he'll actually have on the big league roster, depending on what moves they make. And a couple of big things came out of today, earlier this afternoon. I'm sure like everybody who follows the Astros got this alert on their phone. And this, I'm not sure if you know this, Tuttle, I'm going to educate you a little bit on, on this guy who got traded is that when we we had our games and this guy came in, my Twitter feed would go nuts and it would generally be women from the age of 25 to about 65. So basically every woman watching the broadcast would be like, oh, Jake Day. And he had his own hashtag. It was Jake Day when Jake played. I'm talking about Jake Marisnik. So I've got some sad news. Um, it's probably not necessarily breaking, but it did happen today, earlier today. Jake Marisnik is going to the New York Mets for a couple of prospects in return. A bit of a sad day, but an interesting situation where the guy was arbitration eligible, probably agreed to terms somewhere along the line and got sent off because the Astros are maybe trying to cut a little bit of payroll, even though Jake isn't one of the top dollar guys but maybe save them seven or $8 million by sending him to the New York Mets. But this is a painful day. And, you know, I lost Brian McCann last year. So I lost my McCannon ball call and then he retires. So we lose it again. And Jake Marisnik was one of my guys. He was one of my go-tos as far as, you know, the, the nicknames that I had, he was Jake from rake farm. When he got hits, he was Jake from take farm when he took away hits. And I actually, I actually, truth be told, I have a couple of stickers made that was called rake and take. And it was based off of the idea of Jake Marisnik being the guy in the state farm commercials that wore his khakis and did a great job for the Houston fans. So he will be sorely missed. And, uh, it's, it's disappointing because Jake is a great guy. He is a Riverside Poly guy out of Southern California. So there was a common bond between us being SoCal guys. And we wish him nothing but the best of luck. Uh, that's the biggest news of the day. The other news that I read, interestingly enough, is the catcher commodity out there is kind of thinning out, especially with uh, uh, Grandal, Yasmani Grandal signing with the Chicago White Sox. Uh, and uh James McCann is now the backup catcher, I think, for the uh, Chicago White Sox. He may be on the market, but there's another guy whose name popped out in an article today that I read about, Wilson Contreras of the Chicago Cubs. is getting some interest from the Houston Astros, possibly, as far as acquiring him. It would have to be via trade, so it would be an interesting package between both teams to try and get Wilson Contreras. But the catcher market is definitely thinning out. And I don't know, is there anything that you've heard as far as free agency is concerned around Major League Baseball that kind of surprises you or something you want to bring to our attention, Tuttle? No, I I did see James McCann had signed a one-year deal with the White Sox and then right after they signed Grandall. So there's definitely something in the works there. He's an all-star catcher, and I think you had talked about maybe that being a possibility. Um, I had the same experience when I started this podcast a year ago with you or when we started it. You know, you got me on and all the women between the ages of 25 and 65. I mean, I, I know exactly how Jake Marisnik feels. I mean, that's that's who that's who listens to the podcast. For Listen me, to so. you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. You know, I, I, I do appreciate your education, though, about Jake. I mean, he as from afar, even my daughter who loves the Astros, she's always asking about Springer and Marisnik. Like she really likes those guys specifically, how hard they play, what they bring to the table. But, you know, obviously uh, young, handsome men as well. And I think Marisnik probably, he may be disappointed as well and, and was an integral part of the Astros team. 
will most likely get more of an opportunity to play. I mean, he could be a starting outfielder, most likely a starting center fielder for the Mets. So I think when we look at the business aspect of this, and you and I both dealt with the business aspect, which is getting called in and getting traded and, you know, the old standard thing from Bull Durham, like, you know, crash, come on in the office, shut the door. Like, uh-huh. it's a it's a really cold kind of, uh, I mean, every job and every business is like that, but there's something about being in that locker room with those guys and, and, and playing your ass off with those guys that uh, that you can't really, um, you know, assimilate or, or, or assimilate uh, until you're, you've done it. And so I'm sure there's some guys that are disappointed about Jake's uh, departure, but I'm also, I, I know the people that understand the business and that have been around and have been through this are wishing him well and hoping that uh, that he does get more playing time because I think, you know, the women between the ages of 25 and 65 are now going to be Mets fans, especially if he's playing every day, right? And every day might be a Jake day. That That's a good thing because it was a lot of fun to watch him play. We wish him nothing but the best. He had been great to the broadcast crew. He was great inside the clubhouse, but the guy that will be sorely missed. And that's going to do it for me as far as baseball and Astro updates. It's kind of that lull before the storm with the winter meetings coming up. Um, obviously, we're waiting to see which free agents go. Garrett Cole is a guy that's out there. We've seen Zach Wheeler, Cole Hamels, a couple of uh, veteran pitchers sign some big contracts uh, going to the Braves and the Philadelphia Phillies for Zach Wheeler. So the National League East is getting a little bit tougher. And the Nats have some uh, some decisions to make to try and compete in that National League East. But uh, that's going to do it. And you know what that means when we're done with baseball and we're done with Astros? Come on. Everybody with me, if you're in your car, you're walking on that treadmill, it is time for Waddle, Tuttle, Say. Yes, it is. And uh, I'm going to bring something else to the table. I I have the... uh, I, I, I think I've mentioned this before on the podcast, but I... I'm not a fan of, I think you said you're a Thanksgiving guy in terms of giving thanks and all that stuff, but I'm just not a fan of the Christmas stuff coming out before Thanksgiving. But I will say right after Thanksgiving, when the Christmas movie marathons start, I think I'm watching a TMC, uh, let's see, is it TMC, the classic movie channel, TCM? I'm no, not I think sure. uh, in your house oh, it's called Hallmark. Oh, yeah. Hallmark. I love Hallmark. Yeah. (laughs) Aren't those movies all the same with different actors? Like, here's the script. It's the same script. You have to cry here and the dog dies here. And then someone comes home from the either the military or, you know, a long lost something. Yeah. yeah. All right. So anyway, you got me. Uh, Wait, spoiler alert. Hallmark. Hallmark channel. So, uh, so, but they started showing like Elf, I think, is starting and Christmas Vacation. So the other night I caught myself uh, Saturday or Sunday night watching Christmas Vacation. And this is kind of, hopefully it'll be heartwarming to you as well. But uh, I have fond memories of my dad who passed away uh, about 15 years ago around Thanksgiving. And, uh, it, I, and I'm not trying to make this kind of sappy, but Christmas Vacation, my dad was six foot three. He had, when he wore a hat and a flannel shirt, he looks a, a heck of a lot like Clark Griswold and Chevy Chase. And my brother and I have this little thing where when we're watching it, we know that it's just, I mean, my dad never was that um, careless and, you know, I guess all that stuff's fodder for, for laugh. It's a movie script. But that scene where he takes the ladder out and he's up with the lights initially and he's doing the staple gun across the, yep, yeah, and he gets his, that 
that could be my dad any day of the week. And so it's really fun. And, and like I said, a little different take on what will Tuttle say. You guys never know what I'm going to say. Just it's really exciting to kind of have something that brings you back to that. Like, oh, this is great. I'm going to watch this movie and and really enjoy myself because it's funny. It's silly. It's a little, as our mailbag guy said before, it's a little ludicrous. But uh but it really kind of it kind of brings the holiday season home for me. Then you know, being able to think about my dad and some of the crazy stuff that he used to do, and uh, we talked already about car rides with the family and drawing lines in the back seat and punching your brother. But uh, watching Chevy Chase hang lights is a really heartwarming, kind of uh, emotional feeling for me, and it means that the Christmas season has started. So. You brought up Thanksgiving last time. I just want to say the Christmas season has started. I'm sure we'll talk about it again. We'll have another pod or two before Christmas. But uh, do you have a movie like that, Blummer, that uh, that hits you? Or, or, I mean, anything that you guys watch with the family that you enjoy? It's uh, It's been, uh, what, what is it, Christmas Carol, the one where the dude gets kicked in the face by Santa and goes sliding down, you know, where's Christmas the pink story. Bunnies? Christmas story. That's... Yeah, yeah, I'm in on that. I mean, it's priceless. But Christmas Vacation for me, it's a little bit different because I feel it's a, it's a little more male-motivated, the Christmas Vacation. You know, you do have that crazy dad. But um, my wife always, you know, when Clark Griswold puts the lights together and it's just, oh, when every year after I pay somebody to hang up the lights, you know, that's probably the only reference we get in that. But uh, it's for us, it's a, more of a Christmas story. It's a lot of fun, you know, when he goes, fudge, you know, and he just drags it out and he gets his ass beat. You know, there's so many relatable moments in that. What I love about those movies is that they never get old. And I mean, Christmas Story, I think it's TBS or TNT. It literally plays it all day long. There's 24 hours of the same movie. And guess what I do? I'm flipping to that damn channel all day long, catching different pieces of that story. And I love Christmas Vacation. I reference it all the time during our broadcast. I don't know how many fans actually do or actually notice it. But sometimes on a big home run, I'll kind of sit back and go, that's the big one. You know, when he gets the bonus at the end of the year, this is the big one. And it ends up being, you know, like a cheese platter for a year or something. And he snaps jelly. and loses. I think it's jelly, yeah. jelly of the Month Club. That's it. I was going to say one thing for you. That's the, that's the oh, Christmas. Oh, man. That's so good. It's so great. But you can't do that anymore. We're going to get all kinds of hell. We're going to get kicked no, off. Not. That's not of a movie. That. That's the best scene. Those guys are into the spirit. That's the best scene where they go to the Chinese restaurant for uh, for their duck. Yeah, as they dig into their uh, Christmas duck. <laughs> yeah, you know. So I I guess that that was the intent of what'll Tuttle say was to bring in uh, some of the Christmas spirit. There's a bunch of other movies out there. I still like, um, you know, some of the old ones. My mom watches a Christmas Carol every year, but it has to be with this old time British actor. You know, she's like, no, no, the Christmas Carol, but I got to watch this one. And it's like yeah. 45 minutes long. It's hilarious. I, I remember that movie being so long. But uh, but yeah, the Christmas season's upon us. We really appreciate the fans that are listening. And uh, just wanted to give you a little insight into, um, you know, we talk about getting on our website, bleacherblums.com, to learn a little bit more about us. Well, if you want to know what my dad was like, just watch a couple scenes of uh, of Christmas vacation and get an idea. Not the lingerie scene, but everything else, you know. <laughs> That's outstanding. Good stuff. We love what'll Tuttle say. That was a good one this time around. We broke him down. We broke him down on the last one talking about Thanksgiving and being grateful. And Christmas obviously is another time to 
you know, that really invokes a lot of memories and a lot of family and a lot to be grateful for. So nice stuff by Tuttle. I'm going to mix it up in this episode of Blum and Blummer. The Rocky Mountains to be a little rockier than this. I was thinking the same thing. That's Jeff Blum's full of shit, man. Throughout the course of the baseball season, we heard a lot about strike zones. We heard a lot about robotic umps. We hear a lot about replay and officials in sports are under a lot of scrutiny. And then we get into the NFL season, the pass interference call. We have no idea what that means or what it is actually until the flag is thrown. Then we're like, okay, maybe that was it. And then you, it's a reviewable play. And then it gets reviewed and you're, you're hundred percent. It's going to get turned uh, in your team's favor. And it doesn't. So recently in the NBA, I am now going to rip on some NBA referees. And my question here is, why are professional sports officials doing such a shitty job lately? We saw it in baseball. We see it in the NFL, missing some key plays. James Harden of the Houston Rockets literally dunked a basketball through the hoop. And miraculously, it catches in the net and flips up over the top and bounces around. And it's not called a basket. I don't know if one basket dictates winning or losing in an NBA game, but I was absolutely astonished at the fact that it was not called a basket. The ball literally slammed through the hoop for a point, two points. And then I'm watching the highlight of LeBron James take the ball down against the Utah Jazz. He gets to the half, half the, the midcourt circle, dribbling, and picks it up, picks it up, puts it in his hand and walks two steps and continues to dribble again, and no traveling, no double dribble, no nothing. What in God's name is going on with the officiating in professional sports? Do we take everybody off the court and just let a computer or somebody watching the game at home click a buzzer like they do in the PGA, call into a hotline and say, uh, hey, throw the flag, blow the whistle, that was traveling, that was, du that was double dribble. I was blown away. Uh, a little side note, one of my favorite comedians, uh, Brian Regan, had a joke about this, but it was, if you look it up, you can Google it. CBS got busted for um, piping in like bird noises and nature sounds at the Masters many, many years oh, yeah. ago. And it was a fan that called in. And Brian Regan does a way better job of making it a funny skit. But basically he goes, how does that phone call go? You call in and go, um, I'm watching the Masters. You actually call CBS and go, uh, that blue-footed warbler? Yeah, that's not indigenous <laughs> to these here parts. You know, he's like, no, they sound like this. Hoo, 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 hoo. Not, I mean, he has the really funny skit. But to your point, what's wrong with having a buzzer? CBS actually apologized and made some, you know, like a fan called in and said, look, you guys have that sound. That sound is not indigenous and did the whole deal. It's really funny. But it's true. And I think, I think what they have to do is when everybody sees it, that's the time when they got to throw up their hands and go, okay, that's got to be reviewable. Because I didn't watch the Astros or the Astros, the Rockets game, but I saw that replay like three times. But what I was going to say is it must not have been reviewable, correct? Like they were yes. trying to get the referee. Yeah. So if they had went, if they had gone and looked at the replay when every bench is like, hey, you know, LeBron was also quoted last night saying that was the worst thing he's ever done. He didn't mean to do it. And the fan that was ragging him in the third quarter, LeBron basically looked at him, the guy courtside yelling at him and goes, I know, I can't believe I got away with it. Like I, I, they weren't paying attention. I wasn't paying attention. Like, so we either have to make stuff reviewable, but see now, now, you know, this is the blum and blummer. Now we're at pass interference where 
oh yeah let's mm-hmm. throw the flag because that's pass interference nope that's not oh it's not you know now we're getting back to was it a catch was it pass interference so i don't know if there's a solution maybe we have to live with the mistakes because i don't know if I don't know if it's the officiating that's getting worse because I think if we went back to the 50s and 60s, there'll be plenty of plays like the ones we're seeing. It's just that we have so much uh, focus and availability. I mean, there's some guy that could, you know, tape it on his cell phone while watching TV, post it to a million people right away, and now there's a million people up in arms like, these refs are terrible. But they're watching a lot of other things. You know, I watched the referee in a football game the other night. He was counting the players. He has to count them every play. So he gets back there and he's like, one, two, three, four, five, okay, 11. Like that, he has to do that every play. Okay, it's second down. Okay, 11 players. What's the formation? I mean, they have a lot going on. I'm not, I'm not trying to be, I guess, sympathetic necessarily, but like make a play where the 50,000 people saw it. Let's make it reviewable at least. I hear you. And that's all I've got for Blum and Blummer. We're going to move on to Don't Bet on It. And I've, I've, moving on to Don't Bet on It, I know this is total segment, but I'm, we need to. I need to like find a way to get some ch- like championship music into the situation right now because we got an email the other day. Guess who has a first round bye because they were the number one team in their fantasy football league. It was the Believe It team of Tuttle and Blum. That's right. And you know, in our fantasy league, the email threw me off because someone's like, "Hey, is there a toilet bowl like game? You know, <laughs> the last place game? We got to ask for Tuttle." And I was like, "Tuttle." Wait, I'm, I, we have a first-round bye, and I realize in our fantasy league, I think we said this at the outset, maybe 10, 15 podcasts ago, there are two Tuttles mm-hmm. and two Jeffs named G-E-O-F-F. Like, what are the odds of having two Tuttles and two Jeffs in the same fantasy football league? But the right Tuttle and the right Jeff are on the champion, well, championship, on the first-round bye, first-place team, and we're going to carry it, carry it through, I hope. So we get a bye this week, so... Our guys are going to sit on the bench and take it easy, and then we got to start planning for Week 15 in our fantasy league. But uh, welcome to the league. Take first place. Come on. That's right. In in the winning circle is what we did. We just came in and announced our presence with authority, and now it's your turn, Tuttle. All right. So uh, I wish I remember what the picks were last time, but I, I'm pretty sure I did two out of three again, which is my part. <laughs> so for that's the, the going rate. So I'm going to go with four games this week, <gasps> and. Yeah, four games. Can you believe it? So um, Believe it. Yeah, believe it. Four games. Let's see if I can up the ante or get crushed, right? So two college, two pro. Uh, not a whole lot of reasoning. It's just things that hit you and things that you hear. So uh, Virginia beat Virginia Tech for the first time since Matt Schaub was the quarterback. So you guys can do the math on that one. Uh, Virginia. Virginia is like a 21 or 22 point underdog. They're eight and five or nine and five. They're a 22 point underdog to Clemson this week. Clemson has beating everybody by like 50 points. But guess what? We're taking Virginia plus 20 some odd points. That's what we're going to do. Go Cavaliers. The other game, and I'm not usually a Pac-12 homer per se, but I do. uh, I have a little West Coast bias, but uh, is the Oregon Utah game. Now, we do want the Pac-12 represented in the Final Four if they can, but uh, Oregon is getting seven points, six and a half, seven points, depending on where you look, playing Utah in the championship game. I just, I just, I don't know. Utah kind of plays that knock them down, drag out, slow run game. Oregon, mm-hmm. they they're do. fast. I mean, I actually see Oregon winning that game, which I don't really want them to, but uh, they're certainly going to cover the six and a half, seven points. So those are my don't bet on it thoughts for the college side. Now, when it comes to the pros, 
Uh, we're, we're all in on this, folks, so don't bet on this one. The Panthers plus three. So the Panthers got smoked by the Redskins last week. They've got Christian McCaffrey, who's doing well. He was kind of putting up an MVP year, except he's on a mediocre team, which is, you know, mm-hmm. I guess not an MVP-type season, and everyone's already handed the trophy to Lamar Jackson. So uh, the Panthers are getting three points. They fired Ron Rivera this week. Guess what? They're going to come out ready to show. No more Cam Newton, no more Ron Rivera. They're going to come out with a lot of energy. I uh, can't remember who they're playing, which is always the best part of this. Uh, I don't think it's that strong of a team, but we're going to take the Panthers plus three. And then my usual They've won me some money this year. We're taking the Dolphins, folks. Dolphins plus five and a half. I I think they're playing the Jets. The Jets smoked them, um, I want to say, like 34 to three the first time they played. So we'll we'll see how it goes. We got Ryan Fitzmagic, and we got got an ex-Patriots coach down there. The Dolphins have been playing kind of with their hair on fire. So like I said, not a lot of statistical analysis here when we look at why Tuttle's saying not to bet on these games. But we're going to take Virginia plus like 20-something points, Oregon plus 6.5, Panthers plus 3, Dolphins plus 5.5 or 6. And you'll win some money, especially if you don't bet on it. Gutsy moves. I like those calls. Actually, some good games to watch, too. You know, I like the Oregon-Utah matchup. Utah's having a great season. Oregon trying to make a statement. We're getting into that uh, FBS time or whatever they call it nowadays to get into that playoff situation. So it's a lot of fun to watch the college football. NFL's winding down. Fantasy football leagues are coming to an end, and it's been an absolute blast on this podcast. And get back talking to my good buddy, David Tuttle. Tuttle? I think we're going to call it a podcast, man. I think we uh, we wore ourselves out, gave some good content, and hopefully the fans enjoy it. But if you got any parting shots or anything you want to get out there before we get off this pod? Of course. I uh, Yeah, it's great to be back with you. I think we're in that sweet spot of time. We really appreciate everybody downloading and listening. And, you know, of course, if you guys have a review or a comment, you know, get at us on bleacherblums.com. I'm really impressed in the offseason. I, I told you, I don't know if we we're going to change the format or what we we're going to do, but we're, you know, our listenership is going up. It's skyrocketing. So keep it up, folks. We do have, as as Blummer mentioned, we've got uh, at least he's got a hat. I've been dying to get a hat, but he's got a hat on his head that looks like a pretty good uh, template for what we're going to be putting out on the website. We've gotten some emails and some texts uh, with uh, with some Christmas designs for our for our T-shirt selection. So um, get on bleacherblums.com. Remember, Crush City Tees makes our T-shirts. And uh, grab your gear for the holidays because we will be wearing it around if you run into us. And uh, and that's all I got for this time. But hopefully next week we'll get a couple more in before Christmas. We'll uh, we'll be back at you. Great stuff. And with the holidays coming up, obviously, we are very grateful to be able to hang out with our families, jump on a plane, travel cross country and see everybody. And the only way we do that is with the military around the world who is missing out on being home on some of these holidays. Uh, We appreciate you. We love you. Continue the good hard work that you are doing for us to keep us safe, both at home and abroad. And obviously the first responders that are out there too, the policemen, firemen, EMTs, uh, everybody out there that is doing a great job. We rely on you. We love the fact that you charge into harm's way to keep us safe and enjoy these holidays. So in these holiday moments, keep those that you love in your heart and in your mind, but also those that go out there and risk their, literally risk their lives and sacrifice so much to ensure our safety here at home. And that's going to do it for this episode of Bleacher Blums. It has been a blast being on with you again, getting back into the routine. We hope you have a great week. And until next time, make sure that you are getting after it. And most of all, 
believe it. 